pursue your purpose, speak your truth, deal with adult bullies, cope with failure, live beyond fear, establish values, set boundaries, move past trauma. These are all the themes in my Amazon bestseller, The Smart Girls Handbook. Tribers get in close. For 15 years, I have been searching for a book that didn't exist. So I am thrilled to share that I decided to write it. The Smart Girls Handbook is available to buy now from wherever you get your books and also in Canada, the United States of America, New Zealand and Australia. Everything we do is a response to something you have asked for and girl, have you been begging me for a book for years? Who is it for you? The reviews are outstanding. The press has been phenomenal and I am overwhelmed by the amazing support it has had already. This isn't my book, but our book. I realised after my talks around the world, women would be queuing for hours just to ask me one question. I didn't want them to just walk away, but to have a tangible source to have forever. And this is it. This is refreshing, never before read content that will inspire, motivate, empower, inform and entertain you. It's full of my personal development tips that have got me living as my most authentic and highest self, literally glowing from within. My most vulnerable moments and hilarious stories that will resonate with you. The Smart Girls Handbook is a celebration of womanhood and the book missing from your library. So grab your copy today, tag me on Instagram at smartgirltribe and I will send you an exclusive gift just to say thank you. Dr. Robin Stern is a licensed psychoanalyst and co-founder and associate director for the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. Robin is the leading expert on gaslighting and is the author of The Gaslight Effect. In part one of this podcast episode, which I really encourage you to go back and listen to, we discussed gaslighting, the signs, how to gasproof your life and how it shows up. In this episode, we dive deep into relationships and how gaslighting shows up. I wanted to know the language used to gaslight, how to know if your partner is a gaslighter and what healing after a gaslighting relationship looks like. How long does it take? How long will gaslighting stay with you? And so much more. Hello, Dr. Robin. In part one, we discussed gaslighting, the signs, the strength of it, and ways to gasproof your life. Today, we're going to be diving into some very specific relationship and dynamics. I, first of all, would like to explore gaslighting in various relationships. So what are some of the signs that you as a young adult, or even as a fully grown adult, are being gaslighted by your parents? Well, first of all, um... Good morning uh, from the United States, and thank you, Scarlett, for having me back. Um, I think, as always, starting with self-awareness and that uncomfortable feeling that, uh, wait a minute, I don't either think that's true, or I wasn't saying that, or something's wrong, or I'm feeling misunderstood, some discomfort with the way you're being responded to. Uh, is is a sign that there's something else going on. If you feel like there's something wrong, there's usually something wrong. It may not be gaslighting, but it may also be gaslighting. Um, So I would say that when you hear statements that are about you, like you're being too sensitive, that's crazy. You're not remembering what I told you. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, You always do that. Statements like that, that are changing the conversation that you're having. Um, Maybe you said to your mom 
or your dad um, or a grandparent or relative, uh, something that they didn't like, or, you know, hey, um, I thought we were having holiday at your house. Oh, you don't remember correctly. Um, or something that could even be in the middle of a more contentious um, uh, moment. I, uh, like you're talking about curfew. You want to stay out late with a friend. Um, you want special privileges or extra privileges, or you feeling accused of something that you didn't do. And you're in that conversation and you're hearing things rather than about the that third thing you're talking about, you're hearing things about your character or about your memory or about um, who you are as a person rather than actually discussing the curfew or the, the positives and negatives of the curfew. Am I being specific enough or would you like to, would you like to ask me a specific example? Are there any common sentences or is there any common language that parents use to gaslight their children? I would, I would say things like, you're making too much of this. Mm. It's not a big deal. Why are you carrying on so much? I'm not arguing with you. I'm simply trying to tell you what I know is best for you. This is best for you. Um, if you uh, can stop being so dramatic, we can actually have a conversation so that you're immediately on the defensive, feeling undermined, wondering, oh, am I being dramatic? No, actually, this is really important. Um, uh, another favorite, not only from parents, but from partners is, you're way too emotional. You're way too sensitive. You're being paranoid. This is not about that. This is about something else. No, no, is actually about that. No, no, you're wrong. That's not what happened. What are some further signs that you are being gaslighted by your partner that some signs that maybe come up only in that particular dynamic between partners in relationship in a couple? Um, I don't know if there are signs that particularly come up in partnerships that don't come up elsewhere if someone is gaslighting you. But I would say to your point that the closer you are to someone, um, the more intimate you are, the more likely it is that that person has access to things about you that they can gaslight you about. So if you are in for example, um, a marriage, as opposed to dating someone. Somebody may know about the way you handle finances and can gaslight you about that. You don't know anything about money. Like, leave that to me. You're, you're just not skilled in that area. Mm -hmm. um, or we know what people say about the way you handle money. You know, access to information. Or um, uh, thing, gaslighting you around things that are um, personal and private um, will happen in a partnership. Uh, well, you know, if you um, if you didn't eat so much, then we wouldn't have that issue. Um, we are. Uh, I mean, I as I'm talking, I'm thinking to answer your question. Of course, there are things in a partnership that don't happen elsewhere, and they ha it has to do with the intimacy and the boundaries that are that let down on the vulnerability um, uh, were, I, I would love to, 
be with you sexually, but you just gained 10 pounds. Mm. Right? Have you looked in the mirror lately? It's you wonder, you're asking me why I'm not more I'm romantic with you. Look at yourself. I mean, that's mean and cruel. It's also putting the blame on somebody else. It's also switching that conversation. I'm no longer talking about uh, if you're if you're my partner and, and you're asking me the question about why you don't seem to be interested in me, we're not being intimate anymore or in the way we used to be. And now I'm talking to you about your weight. It's a different conversation. And you may walk away from the conversation thinking he's right. Mm. I did just gain 10 pounds. And maybe that's even true, but what does that have to do with the fact that you asked me the question? Are there any gaslighting behaviors which are deemed normal? I know in our last podcast episode, I brought it up that it was almost quite triggering to hear some gaslighting language because you see in mass media and particularly in films, when police officers or other individuals are talking to a victim of sexual assault, they will often ask, they will often ask, what were you wearing? And right. I would say this is gaslighting language, which has become so normal that we are used to hearing. I would say the climate is changing since the Me Too movement, but for a long time, if you go back, it does come up are there any other gaslighting behaviors which are deemed normal so anytime where you feel like you're being told it's your fault where you feel like you were discussing something totally other thinking about um uh what you're saying um more deeply and or just in terms of specific examples even the the phrase for example you come to me, you tell me what happened in the workplace, how you were undermined or something uh, didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And I lean into you and I say, honey, you're just so sensitive. Like you, that could look to someone else like a statement of caring, like a statement of I'm, I'm holding you in that moment, right? I'm creating a safe container for you. And um, you can step into it and say, you're right, I am. And that really hurt my feelings as opposed to a manipulation of the interaction. Mm -hmm. right? And what's really interesting is online, um, I don't know if we covered this last time, but for many years, I worked with uh, my colleague, um, Mark Brackett for Facebook. And we worked for the, uh, we created some of these social reporting flows so that when you were online, if something was going really, um, was uncomfortable or you were unhappy or felt harassed or bullied, you could report it to Facebook. And um, I, one of the things that we talked quite a bit about is that there's a certain kind of bullying like gaslighting where you wouldn't know it unless you were in it. Because if I, if we sent an interaction absent details of our relationship, Somebody might say, well, that person was just caring for you. Or that person was um, just letting you know that there's something further to explore here. And you felt gaslighted by that interaction. So unless the entire conversation was presented so that you could see the pivot, 
just a two-line interaction might not reveal anything but some true statement about you. Mm. I think that's fascinating, thinking about gaslighting on social media. Yeah. Just being aware of the complete, of the context that has come beforehand. And I have come to understand that in relationship in partnership, usually the victim idealizes the manipulator. The gas lighty mm-hmm. then seeks his or her approval. Could you just please explain this in further detail? Yes. So one of the things that keeps people really stuck in gaslighting relationships is that the gaslightee has as much trouble leaving because they're waiting for the gaslighter's approval. So for example, um, I question your whereabouts in a partnership, just back to your other question about what are the specific things that happen in partnerships that don't happen elsewhere. I say to you, you know, like you haven't called me for a few nights. I've tried your cell phone. I can't reach you. Um, what, what are you doing? And you say, oh, you know, I was just working late at the office. I wasn't there. I, I wasn't in my office. I didn't have my phone. I let it go the first time. And then it happens again. And meanwhile, you're somebody who I've really idealized for years. I'm more, maybe months as as well. And just, I'm so, I feel so excited that we're going out together. I was ecstatic that you asked me out. You are the person I've always wanted to be with. And then it happens again. And I say to you again, I don't understand. You know, when I'm with you, you're always picking up the phone and suddenly I'm not with you and I can't reach you. And then it happens again. And at some point you, the gaslighter say to me, you are so paranoid. Like maybe that's why your other relationships didn't work out. Like, look how paranoid you are. You can't reach me on the phone. So you can't reach me on the phone. This is your problem. And as the gaslightee, not only am I now saying maybe it's my problem to myself, but I'm also terrified that the gaslighter thinks badly of me. And so I'm still in my own mind having that conversation. Is it my problem or, or am I not am I, like, what's going on here? And so I'm going to work really hard to win your approval. I'm going to work really hard to confuse you. I'm not paranoid. No, that's not why my last relationship broke up. Here's the reason. I'm not paranoid. See, I I didn't even care. You told me you were in your office and I I wasn't worried. And so, no, look at all these examples of I'm a good enough person. I'm a great partner. And so that's what that dynamic is about, that it's hard for me to walk away and just say, sorry, no, we're going to agree to disagree here. No, I'm not paranoid and I'm not willing to talk about it. The gaslightee is stuck needing to talk about it because of his or her need for the approval of the more powerful person, the gaslighter. I understand. And how can we set a boundary with someone gaslighting us when we're becoming more and more aware of these patterns? What language can we use or how can we set a very specific boundary? Because maybe we don't want to break up with them, but how can we start having that conversation? It all starts with self-awareness and uh, it is about uh, regulating your emotions at the time first. So if you're aware that that's what's going on, wait a minute, 
this gaslighting me again. He's doing that thing again. Like, I love this guy, but we do have this gaslighting dynamic whenever he gets triggered. Importantly, take a deep breath, use some positive self-talk, I've got this, um, or talk to yourself in the third person, you've got this, um, I'm just gonna end it now, I can do this, and say something like, you know what, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree, or I'm sorry, don't agree with you, I don't wanna have this conversation, it's getting heated. I don't, just opting out of this struggle, we're just gonna go over the same thing over and over again. Um, you don't see it the way I see it, okay. I'm not that person and I'm walking away from the conversation. Anything that you need to do, even if it's initially, just going to get a cup of tea in the other room, would you like to come with me? I, we need to stop talking, I'm getting too heated or I need to stop talking. I just can't have this conversation right. Not a good time for me to continue. Anything that you feel comfortable saying that in the moment where you are so triggered and desperate to stay in the conversation, but know you need to leave, that you can manage to say, here it is again, let's stop now. There's this dynamic again. I'm feeling it again. I'm gonna stop now. Let's talk about it later. Mm -hmm. Important to just find those few words that you can say, even in the heat of the moment, to stop it. When would you recommend victims start collecting evidence to be sure that they are being gaslighted? Because sometimes, obviously, gaslighting is already considered a form of abuse, but it can lead to further abuse. So at what point, as the victim, do you need to step back and say, this could potentially be something more dangerous, this, this could be a sign? When should they start collecting evidence, writing down conversations, monitoring or documenting conversations via texting or social media platforms, et cetera? So if you find in a relationship that you are um, constantly second guessing yourself, I mean, there are times where there'll be a gaslighting moment because the person is using that particular strategy to gain control in the moment. But it's not necessarily a gaslighting relationship, meaning that it doesn't go on over time. One of the characteristics of gaslighting is it goes on over time. So getting back to, to the list and the signs of what you're looking for, um, you, you're second guessing yourself and you're thinking, wait a minute, I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, you're asking yourself, am I too sensitive? Am I a good enough partner? More than a couple of times. I mean, I think that that's the key when it's going on over a period of time. When you feel uh, less than a, your strong self in the relationship, you begin to feel this growing shakiness, kind of ephemeral, like um, uh, breakdown of your self-esteem. Um, you are constantly thinking about what your partner will be thinking about rather than staying on your own side of the conversation. So both of you are, are in his shoes, basically. Um, you're making, you find that you're making excuses for your partner's behavior to your friends or family. That's a big one. You know? um, I remember a friend of mine saying to me at the end of a, a 
very difficult gaslighting relationship. I promised myself that I will never be in a relationship again where I can't with joy talk about it to my friends. Not that we don't all fight in relationships sometimes, mm. but when you have a relationship where you can't tell your friends what's going on because you know they're going to say to you, you've got to be kidding me. Um, you know something is wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Again, that ephemeral quality. You start lying to avoid the person twisting the truth. Like in my book, I talk about this uh, patient who went to the store and she wasn't able to get the, the correct salmon that her husband, the kind of organic salmon the husband liked. And um, rather than taking a risk again, that same patient might lie and say, I really wasn't feeling well, I couldn't get to the store. Because what happened when she came home from the store and told him the truth that they were out of the salmon is that he then said, well, you are clearly don't love me. If you loved me, you would have gone to the store earlier. Mm. Right. Okay. Or the person who is um, who took two years to introduce, or a year plus, almost two years, to introduce her her uh, partner to her friend because she had to raise her hand to speak in the interaction. And she knew that when her friends saw her do that, they would say, what are you doing? Mm. Which is in fact what happened and how she ultimately was able to, to find a pathway out. So those are some of the things. You can't make decisions. You find yourself just unable to think it's a little bit like having a virus, you know, where your mind is cloudy and you just can't think straight. Um, and importantly, you feel increasingly depressed or you feel increasingly anxious and you just don't recognize yourself. And to the extent that, um, that you can't even remember the last time you experienced any joy. You know, in, in my new workbook that, that I'm working on, re, uh, responding now to, to the edits and hopefully we'll have a publication date soon, um, I talk a lot at the end about reclaiming your joy. And it's so important. You know, we, this is our life. We want to be present to it. We want to be open and, and vulnerable and with the people who are open and vulnerable right back with us and um, like you said about your partner having good relationships having um, relationships that nourish us and bring us joy yeah I understand and expanding on this then when someone has potentially left this particular partnership are there any healing tactics or strategies that you would recommend because I can imagine that some of the effects after having been gaslighted are horrendous. I can only imagine that it would take a huge toll on your mental health. One of the exercises that I love the most um, and recommend the most to patients is to imagine that um, you are living in this beautiful house and, and in your visioning, taking that moment with yourself, you could walk around the house and notice these beautiful furnishings that you've chosen, whatever, whether it's simple or it's, or, um, it's more opulent, whatever pleases you. And that outside your home is a gate that you have built with love and care, with the eye towards self-protection. 
so nobody can get into that gate. Your whole home, this beautiful home, is surrounded by a gate, and you get to let in whoever you want. And you let in the people who love you. You let in the people who bring you joy, with whom you could have those authentic conversations. And you keep out anyone who makes you uncomfortable, who causes you to second guess yourself, who is contemptuous, who tries to humiliate you, who puts you down, who yells at you. And visioning that helps to keep you reminded that you're in control. If you encounter someone and you have that feeling of, wait a minute, that kind of needy feeling inside, I need to convince him that I'm good enough. I need to tell him, I need to make him think I'm okay. You're probably setting yourself up for trouble down the road. Doesn't mean you can't go forward. No, like you leave a gaslighting relationship and you're looking for signs in your other relationship of authenticity, of respect, of mutuality as the currency between the two of you. There could be a moment where you feel uncomfortable. There could be a moment where you feel like, wait a minute, is he doing that thing again? Um, but it's not necessarily the new dynamic in your relationship. It's your sensitivity. But then it crosses the line if it continues over and over and over to, to being a gaslighting relationship. I think um, writing things down, taking a look at them, having open conversations, letting your partner or your, uh, your friend know, hey, I went through this with someone and I'm really uh, sensitive to being called out and being put down and being blamed for and reality twists and things like that. So if I ask for clarification, it's coming from that place. And being assured when your partner or your friend says no problem. And not being assured when somebody says, you gotta be kidding me, I'm not doing that. Like that's paramount. Of course. And then finally, I do finish the podcast asking two questions. The first being, what books or podcasts, Dr. Robin, on this subject would you recommend to our audience, please? Um, the book that I'm currently reading that I just love is by John O'Donoghue. And it's, it's not a, it's a book of poems. Mm. And um, bless the space between us. And I just find him to be so incredibly wise and I love this poem. It's called, For Love in a Time of Conflict. When the gentleness between you hardens and you fall out of your belonging with each other, may the depths you have reached hold you still. When no true word can be said or heard and you mirror each other in the script of hurt. When even the silence has become raw and torn May you hear again an echo of your first music. When the wave of affection starts to unravel and anger begins to sear the ground between us, between you, before this weather of grief invites the black seed of bitterness to find root, may your souls come to kiss. Now is the time for one of you to be gracious, to allow a kindness beyond thought and hurt. Reach out with sure hands to take the chalice of your love and carry it carefully 
through this echoless waste until this winter pilgrimage leads you toward the gateway of spring. It's beautiful. He has a wonderful poem on new beginnings, which is also very more relevant for this particular podcast. But the, when you have a relationship where there is an injury, and one of the thing, reasons I read this poem right now, where there's an injury or hurt, and you can find the strength in yourself to be vulnerable, to be authentic, and to go to the person who you feel hurt by, say, this really hurt me, or I really feel terrible that we're in this place. And you can have that person return, step into that authenticity with you, step, step into that vulnerability with you. Um, that's a relationship you can do some work with, right? That's a relationship where you feel respected and loved. In a gaslighting relationship, you come to your partner and you say, I don't know, you know, I you hurt my feelings. I, I just feel terrible about what happened. And the risk, and the very real risk, is that the person says, that's your problem. That's because you're so sensitive. That's because you're so paranoid. Something wrong with you. I never said that. So that there is no spring, if you will, and as in the quote, there is no place to begin again. It's just further and further into that gaslighting mire. Absolutely. And what is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by? So that's easy. There was a wonderful movie popular in the United States some time ago called Batman Begins. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. I love that. I think it's so uh, related to our entire conversation about gaslighting because when your gaslighter is not in the moment of gaslighting and they're telling you and insisting, I love you, especially the glamour gaslighter who can go from being um, the most romantic, most charming, most uh, effusive guy to telling you that there's something really wrong with you and that nobody would ever love you and that you should feel blessed that he is in your life. Um, that glamour gaslighter is behaving in a way that is showing who they really are. So even though they're saying, I love you, and I guess the acts of language are acts too, but they're in fact undermining you and in fact putting you down and gaslighting you every day. Of course. How long does the effect of gaslighting last on the victim? It depends. It really, it's very individual. There, um, it I would say that depends on how stable, strong, um, supported you are in your life before you go into gaslighting, how much you can hold on to that social support. Importantly, when you ask the question of how do you keep your gaslight, your life gaslight free, um, super important. And therefore, when you have questions and you can turn to somebody and say, wait a minute, I just want to check this out. Having your flight attendants, I call them in my book, most important thing, and continually checking in with your self-awareness and um, or through self-awareness with what am I feeling? Same strong self, great. And using strategies for regulating emotions in those difficult interactions. Now back to your other question um, about how long. I've worked with people for two years at a time, for example, twice a week, to bring 
for a person to bring themselves to the point where they can say in, in a conflict or in a power struggle, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I've stepped into this interaction so many times, I just don't want to do it anymore. Two years to say one or two sentences to stop a conflict. And then years following to have the, um, the bravery and the courage to walk into another intimate relationship. I've also worked with people who were in a gaslighting relationship finally had an aha moment and said, oh my God, that's what's been going on. Like, I'm out of here. And exquisitely sensitive the next time in choosing somebody who just doesn't go there at all. But it, when you have gone through the stages of gaslighting and you are in a depression, deeply depressed, when you've lost your joy, when you are confused about what is real, it does take quite a long time to get your footing again, quite a long time. It's not like recovering from a black and blue mark, you know. Um, it could take months and years. Well, what a powerful, beautiful conversation, Dr. Robin. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast again. It was amazing to see you. Thank you so much, Scarlett, for bringing this to the world, um, for your authenticity and vulnerability, and uh, for inviting me. Really appreciate it. I've loved everything. Thank you for listening to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I am your host, Scarlett B. Clark, award-winning founder and CEO of Smart Girl Tribe, the UK's number one female empowerment organization, host of this top-rated podcast, the Smart Girl Tribe podcast, and author. You are my community, my family, so come and follow along for more female empowerment and personal development in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or on Twitter or Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe.